Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. This episode of Context and Clarity Live had a very different look and structure to it. We had a panel discussion about what it's like maybe what it could be like to work in architecture. As I did before our live event, let me first set the stage by giving you a little bit of background. On March 25th, SciArc, the architecture school in Los Angeles, hosted one of their regularly scheduled Basecamp panel discussions. This one was titled, How to Be in an Office. As you may have noticed, there has been a strong reaction to that panel discussion all across the internet. If you're not familiar with the ongoing saga, I guess I would just encourage you to do a little bit of Googling. The purpose of the panel was to give students insight on what to expect and how to prepare for their future in the profession of architecture. 
our intent was simply to use that discussion as a springboard for what we feel is an incredibly important conversation about what it's like, what it could be like, maybe even what it should be like to work in the profession, and hopefully to have a conversation for students, for emerging professionals, and for leaders in the profession alike. It was not our intent to discuss the SIARC panel discussion or the panelists, or the practices of the panelists. If that's the conversation that you're looking for, you're in the wrong place. That discussion is happening in a number of forums online, so it won't be hard to jump in somewhere else where that's more appropriate. Our intent was, and always is, to look for positive ways forward and to give useful advice for how to work in the profession of architecture. Now, with all of that being said, our panel was made up of Michael Rasika. He's the founder and creator of Young Architect. Rachel Gresham, she's an associate at TM Partners. And Michael Solero, he's a department manager at Summit Design and Engineering Services. Like many Context and Clarity live conversations, this discussion could have gone on for, I don't know, another hour or two. But I think we successfully had the conversation that SciArc could have had. As usual, Catherine McPhail joined me for the panel discussion and backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host, and she's an architect and podcaster from Arlington, Massachusetts. In addition to Context and Clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from our panel discussion. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about that panel discussion about working in architecture. I thought it was a fantastic conversation. It was. I thought it was it was very it was very positive and the comments for the most part were also very positive and I thought it was a very helpful conversation for people looking for a job and people looking to hire someone. So it was, you know, very useful. Yeah. And, you know, the setup for the whole thing, of course, was the, you know, March 25th, the SciArc base camp, how to be in a firm. Um, and as, as I said at the intro to the live panel discussion, our intent was not to talk about SciArc or the panelists or the practices of the panelists or anything like that, but to use that conversation as a springboard into this because, you know, they obviously being a school, they set that conversation and others in that base camp series, they set that up to be helpful for students. There's lots of buzz, a lot of negative buzz, but a lot of buzz about that conversation. But I think the good thing is it has really boiled up this conversation about getting into architecture, working in architecture, advancing in architecture, you know, you know, like we've been talking about, what's it like? What could it be like? What it should be? What should it be like to work in architecture? And um, as, as I was sitting there and our panelists were discussing, I thought, you know, if SciArc, if the SciArc panel had gone this way, we never would have had this conversation because there would have been, there would have been no bubbling up. There would have been no controversy. Um, so I'm glad they had their conversation and then we could have, 
this conversation, which I agree. I think it was maybe especially for the the students and, and emerging professionals, but we also did get into the hiring aspects and um, the employer aspects as well. The SIARC focus seemed to be uh, dedicating yourself or what was it, committing yourself to a certain office so that you can um, you learn from those architects and have that as part of your pedigree. That was the main thrust, I thought, of that conversation for a while. And in contrast, um, our guests today were talking about um, looking at, well, first of all, I was really struck by the fact that Rachel um, was kind of emphasizing how it just takes time to figure out what you want and what questions, the right questions to ask and everything. And that she said, if you could take any, you can take any job because you will learn so much and just dive in and be a sponge, I think is how she put it. So that takes a lot of the pressure off, I think, but she said that you should also look at how people treat each other in the firm and all these other interpersonal sort of things that uh, I thought were that really good, um, really good advice. You know, what kind of education is available at the firm? Um, she felt like the learning environment was important. I guess that's kind of similar to the other panel because they were also talking about learning at the firm, but I felt that there was a different take on it. I think the first thing that I pay attention to, and I like to pay attention to it during an interview, is how people treat one another and how people are interacting uh, on their teams. Um, if people enjoy spending time outside of work with one another, and uh, to Michael's point, it's the people that you work with that end up making or breaking your experience. Um, and then if you're new, if you're new to the industry and it's one of your first first jobs, I think just dive in there and be a sponge. I mean, what kind of learning is going on? Um, the other thing that I like to encourage people to ask during interviews is what types of education are available at the firm? Are folks that are in higher levels of the firm offering education and disseminating their knowledge? Are they a learning-based firm? Um, what's the attitude towards emerging professionals and getting their license? Um, what's the attitude about just being able to ask anyone in the firm um, how to do something or, or how to understand how a wall section detail goes together. You can ask about anything you want in an interview. And I like to say that a firm knows almost everything about you by the time you walk in that door, except for your social security number. Uh, and they're just really looking to see if you're going to fit in. At least that's how it works um, at TM Partners where I am. That's how our interview process really goes. It's like, okay, on paper, this person looks like they have the skills and the capabilities that are required to fill this position. Now, are they going to fit in? I, I mean, you just have to be brave enough to ask. Uh, and I mentioned earlier the, in like, the incentive structures. What are the chains of command? Um, what does the leadership pipeline look like? Um, one hot topic that I'm talking about a lot lately is what's the criteria for moving up in the firm and trying to suss out whether there's a lattice of leadership versus a ladder of leadership, because those types of things are really going to affect your existence in the firm and how you move up and what you might, what skills you might hone. Um, authority and power. I mean, don't be afraid to ask, you know, how are tasks allocated? Do we have a team meeting every week? Um, how are projects staffed is a really big one. Um, asking about how projects are staffed will get a lot into 
Um, are you being hired to get put on a project that's just on fire or are you getting hired because there's an intentional strategic growth to the firm and an alignment of where your skills are going to fit into the overall goals of the business? I would agree. I think, I think there's a lot of irony in the way that was covered in the SIARC panel because there, there was this idea of what do you want to get out of this? What do you want to learn from this, you know, in the SIARC panel? But then, like you said, it flipped around to this, your total dedication to someone else to, to have the opportunity and to earn this reputation and so on. And uh, I, I think what you just said is, is right on, you know, as Rachel talked about it and, and Michael Solaro as well, I think kind of touched on it as you, you need to think about what you want to get out of this, what you need to get out of this. And really, I don't know that self-care ever came up as a, as a term, but really make sure that you're taking care of what's important to you uh, from an education, what you want to get out of an education standpoint, the, the culture part of it. I, I, I thought it was so refreshing when they were talking about those things and, and Michael Solaro brought up, you know, this, when you're in an interview that it's, it's a two way street, you're interviewing this firm to see if they are the right fit for you just as much as the firm is interviewing you to see if you're a right fit. We have to understand that interviewing is two ways. Interviewing is not the employer interviewing the employee for a job opportunity. It is the employee or potential candidate uh, interviewing the firm for their fit. And it speaks back to what we were just talking about. Uh, I've had several interviews in the past with firms. And while they've handed me offer letters, I knew that that firm was not my fit. Um, it wasn't what I wanted after going to the interview and talking to people uh, very similar to what Rachel just mentioned. So uh, that is important just to understanding purely from the interviewing side is uh, you need to ask questions just as much as they ask you questions, uh, whether it's to the people directly interviewing you, the hiring manager, uh, or find some way to ask the people interviewing you to talk to them because you're going to get a different perspective from those who are actually working there. And ideally, someone at the same level or position that you're applying for. If you're applying for an entry-level job, maybe talking to another leader in the firm isn't the right person to talk to, but others at that same level. So you can get a better understanding of how you are going to fit in at that level. The same goes with that, you know, asking about projects, asking about who's on your team. You know, what do they intend on having you do uh, immediately or in the near future? Are you there just to fulfill a project because you have hours on it, you have work to get done, and you just don't have the staff for it right now? Or are you going to have some type of role in that job that's beyond just drafting because it just you just need man hours on the job? So just ask a lot of questions. Rachel said, you know, they already they already know on paper. By the time you get in this interview, the firm already knows on paper, okay, we think you can do the job. We think you're you know, you have the abilities, the skills, so on. They're looking to see if you feel like the right fit. You need to be doing the exact same thing to them. Yeah. I think that takes the pressure off an interview as well to think about how, uh, how you can help them. Like 
you're there and potentially to help them. So how can I be of service to you? Like, what can I do to help you? You know, so that it's more for me that always took the, um, the fear of being judged off it because I felt like I'm also saying, how can I be of service here in this, in this, um, company. And the same thing could be said for our client interviews, instead of being nervous about what are they thinking of me? And like, you know, like, how can I help them? Am I the right person to help them? And is this a good fit in that way? And that you're checking them out as well. So that's always good to remember. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think that's a, I think it's an important mindset shift, right? We think about this world that we're in, I, I mean, in terms of, you know, the profession, you know, we're here. So the profession is, it's, it's professional services. And there are a lot of, I, I don't hear that term used a lot in architecture services or, or architecture circles, but that's what it is. Uh, architects, attorneys, doctors, they're all professional services. They're professionals who provide services. We're here to serve a client or a patient or whatever they, you know, whatever the, the particular profession calls those people. But I think that's, that's a really valuable mindset shift is if we really think about who we're here to serve and how we're here to serve them. And some people talk about things like servant leadership, which I think is personally, I think that's a, a great term and a great idea, but, um, but I completely agree with what you're saying. If I flip that around and I go, if I'm interviewing for a job or I'm interviewing a client or something like that, how can I help them? If I start to understand that, I start to understand the value that I bring to the firm or to the client depending on the context. And I can, I can start to see those places where, where it resonates. And also, you know, one of these big questions we have, I know this isn't really on the, the topic of today, but one of these questions that we always have is what's the value of what I do? What's the value of an architect? What's my value as an employee, maybe to tie it to today. You don't know that unless you know how you're serving them, how the problem's that you're solving for them. So I, I'm with you. I think that's, that's a really important mindset shift. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors, systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom that you want. You need systems and procedures, but you struggle with choosing which systems you need the most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love to do the most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to becoming managing partner of his 30 plus person firm and then later sold his firm so that he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Tiger at bqe.com masterclass and then start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit 
bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free. It's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and your people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to the conversation. There's a question about how can we learn as people who are hiring people, how can we, what, what can we learn from this discussion for hiring people? And um, Michael was saying that, why are they high? Why are, as the employer thinking about why are you hiring people? Is it just because you need drafters? Are you just, is a job on fire? Like how we put it? Um, or are you actually, or maybe that was Rachel, whoever said it, they were talking about, oh, do you want to bring someone up through your company? Are you, do you have a business vision? Oh, that was the part where she was saying, you need to have a mission, a vision, business strategy, or else you have no place in hiring people to work for your company. Cause you don't have any you don't have the vision that anybody can align with because you're just, but she also said that it was okay to be a stepping stone firm. I love that, that she was saying during the interview, you could say, you might stay here about five years and then we'll help you move on to whatever it is you need to do next, which is such a, um, I don't know, it's like being part of somebody's life in a different way. You know, you're not just hiring them to do your work for you. You're trying to help them along in their career. I don't know. I like, I like that a lot. I think before, before anybody needs to think about hiring anybody, do you have a mission, vision, strategic plan, and tactics for implementing your business strategy and your strategic plan for the five-year or 10-year outlook for your firm? Because if you haven't answered those questions, you have no idea whether you need to hire somebody or not. That will help you understand who you're trying to hire, to Michael's point. Are you trying to hire drafters, or are you trying to hire an architect that you want to grow up and I think that's one of those big questions that a lot of smaller firms, um, that a lot of smaller firms are, are asking is, am I growing people up to grow them out or am I growing people up to keep them? And I think especially smaller firms need to have that question answered and they need to have that honesty and open conversation with the people that they are hiring because there is nothing wrong with being a stepping stone firm. There is nothing wrong with telling a, an interview candidate like, hey, look, we have this position and it needs filled, but you know, there might come a time five years from now where you're looking to move on from us and that's gonna be okay and we're gonna help you. We're gonna grow you as much as we can and then when we think you've reached a ceiling here, let's help you spread your wings and find something else. And I think that every interviewee is owed that explanation, but it's gonna be hard to give them that explanation if as a firm, we haven't looked inward. I thought that was a fantastic concept. You know, the all all three of our panelists, Michael and Michael and, and Rachel, brought so much, of, really, really about the profession and, and being professional. You know, the aspects of goals and and business goals and in all of these things. And when Rachel talked about it's okay to be a stepping stone firm is, is that how she said it? Stepping stone firm. I, I, I think that's beautiful because it relates to a goal. 
you know, if, if I, if I, if I am identifying, if I am, you know, acknowledging that I'm going to be a stepping stone firm that has to apply to some sort of goal. And one of the things, so if you're listening to this and and you're not familiar with context and clarity, we've spent the entire week talking about different aspects of working in architecture. So one of the things that's come out of some of those conversations is, I think it was probably Monday when we talked about being a good employee, being a good boss. Um, there was there was some sentiment from um, some in the audience about, I guess, really kind of taking it personally when employees didn't live up to expectations, when employees left and, you know, all of these things. And to me, that denotes not really having alignment probably with your goals and, and, and your hiring and certainly not in alignment between the employer and the employee. Um, you know, and I think, I think that idea of, Hey, if, if you need, if, if you, in order to meet your goals, if you need this swath of employee, meaning, you know, they've, they've got these skills through these skills, this experience through this experience, I need somebody, you know, in this realm. And by the time they have grown to this point, they're going to outgrow me and that's okay. It means that I'm, like you said, I'm helping them go on to another phase of their career and then I have to replace them. I have to find somebody else. And I don't know, maybe that becomes sort of an educational or training mission or something like, or mentorship. You know, it's that idea that I'm going to hire somebody and expect that they're always going to be with me. I think that's, I don't see that as being a very realistic expectation on a lot of levels, but, but even the, and this is what I said the other day in response to some of those comments was imagine someone graduates from college and they get their first job and all of the life changes. And then the, the related needs, you know, and all the seasons of life and, Maybe they're single and they get married and have kids or who knows what, right? We, from the time you're 25 until you theoretically retire, there's a lot of things that, that change and evolve. Can your organization really evolve to keep pace with that? Do you want your org to evolve to, to keep pace with that? I mean, if that's your goal, then, then yeah, you've, you've got to figure some things out and match it, but that seems like a, a tall order. So I don't, I wouldn't take it offense at the idea of, of people not sticking around. I, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it has changed or if we're just more aware of it now, but there are so many ways to get here. And I believe we, we need to, I was going to say we need to accept that, but it's, we need to embrace that. If everybody had the exact same, college and then you know work experience that I had for instance what a bland profession it would be and I think by extension what a bland you know what wouldn't our projects and and our built environment suffer for that if there were no variety if there were no diversity if they're you know waxing a little bit philosophical I guess but I think it was Michael was saying that um 
that soft skills are the most important. You mentioned that during the show and you can train anybody to use Revit or do whatever program you need. And it's really what they're like. Um, and to me, that's the same thing with how old somebody is. Like, it doesn't really matter how old they are or really how much experience they have that they can, I think younger people should be given more of a chance. Yeah. In, in that same kind of, uh, you know, thought process, he, he also talked about the fact that everybody has value. Every single human being that I know that has children has at one point said something along the lines of they want their kids' lives to be better than their own on, you know, what, whatever the direction is, but, you know, better, better income or better quality of life or whatever it is. Everybody says, I want, I want my, you know, my kids to have a better life than I had some version of that. And then we turn around and we say, well, you need to go through this because I went through this. You need to pay your, just like I paid my dues, which is a direct contradiction, right? I know these aren't your kids, but you're applying the exact opposite standard, you know, to this next generation of professionals. And we've got to stop doing that. We do have to stop doing it. And, you know, it might be unfair that stuff happened to me and I don't inflict it on someone else, but someone's going to stop the cycle, you know? Just like, let's just not, we don't have to do it that way just because we've always done it that way. It's not fair, you know, not getting, not getting paid as much as you need to live, for example. I mean, that's not even the times from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, being able to put yourself through uh, graduate school, working as a waitress or something like that, like those days are over. So it's, it's different. It's, it's a different situation. So telling somebody that you can work and you know, just eat macaroni and cheese. You still have to make a lot of money to be able to rent an apartment and eat macaroni and cheese. Yeah. And, that, and that's the big fallacy, right? Oh, you need to, you, I paid my dues. So you need to pay your dues. Well, guess what? Your dues were, your, your dues were a whole lot cheaper than this generation's dues. It, you know, and I don't know if that's a really great analogy, but, um, but, but that's, that's the truth. You know, it's, it's not the same anymore. Everything has changed. You know, look, look around. And that's why I love this, this community that we are in is because we're all supporting each other and not competing with each other and voting for each other's um, projects and buying each other's books and, you know, just being friends and, you know, why not choose that path? Yeah. Um, and it's, <laughs> you know, in a, in a weird way, it's why I'm glad that the SciArt conversation went the way that it did because it sets us up again as a springboard to have this conversation with Michael and Rachel and Michael that I think was fantastic. Um, I think there was lots of really great advice for young people in the firm. I mean, we touched on uh, how to find the right firm and the culture and the questions to ask in interviews and licensure and the business and all of that. And so, um, so, you know, again, it, it's, it seems weird to say it that way, but I'm glad we were able to have this conversation and the conversations we've been having all week. I think it accomplished exactly what I wanted it to accomplish, which was to be a, a, uh, an honest and valuable and helpful conversation for students and emerging professionals. 
Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? 
Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.